welcome to the Thinking Pilates podcast, where show after show, we bring you a different way to think about teaching Pilates. We make you dig deep, ask the tough questions, and keep unraveling the rich layers of teaching movement. I'm Chantel Lopez, founder of Skillful Teaching, an international education company just for Pilates and movement teachers, and author of Moving Beyond Technique. I am so gratefully joined in this delightful and crazy endeavor by my sometimes co-host and podcast co-founder, master teacher, and mentor, Deborah Colway. This is episode 35, and it's a really special one because we did another live recording of the podcast, and this time um, a little looser, open forum kind of roundtable with the very sweet and thoughtful, very dynamic teachers of Village Pilates in Chicago. Now, I was there teaching a few weeks ago and had just a really inspiring and lovely experience. Thanks so much to Regan Zubak for hosting me and to the other teachers, Lynn Palombi and Sarah Deguia, who traveled to come and see me. It was just a, a really rich and honestly, like mildly unexpected um, experience and not, not unexpected in that it was good. But the the level and the depth, I think, that these teachers possess and the level of discourse and, and dialogue and conversation and their really strong drive to um, explore and to be curious about the work, even though they are very, very committed to the Pilates philosophy, to the original work, working within the original orders, progressing their students, um, was refreshing and just lent to... Um, a sweetness that uh, I was not expecting. So I was honored to be there. I'm excited to go back. And what we decided to do was record our last day, our roundtable discussion for you. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. We get um, a little emotional right up front. Uh, It's the end of four or five kind of intense days together. A lot of our conversation revolves around the dynamics of teaching, how to take students deeper, uh, the balance between working with the the repertoire in a very consistent and strong way, um, but also allowing for exploration and personal ownership in the work. It's it's a lovely conversation, and I think you're going to resonate with it, and I think that you're going to hear and see a lot of yourselves in this group of teachers, and um, hopefully you're going to leave feeling refreshed and and maybe even a little bit inspired. So without further ado, here we go. We're live. Just, I mean, kind of kidding. All right, so here's the page I turned to. Uh, okay, I'll read both of them. This one says, trust that all you've learned was worth learning. I am so emotional. Did <laughs> somebody else want it? You read it. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. 
When the path reveals itself, follow it. Awesome. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yes. God, I really am such a wreck. I can. <laughs> yes, it's our fault. <laughs> I know, it's totally your fault. Yesterday during the workshop, I was just like, kind of joking about starting to follow, and all of a sudden it was like, oh my God. <laughs> And when I get emotional, I cannot talk. I when my when my book first came out, I like after six months, I did a uh, we hosted a reading and a gathering at the studio, and um, my mom was there, and I was sitting on a Cadillac. <laughs> I'm reenacting it, uh, and my son was sitting next to me. Thanks, and I was reading the acknowledgments in the back. I could not read them. I could not go through them. My business partner had to come up and uh, read them for me. <laughs> so, anyway, this is not new for me. <laughs> you guys have certainly brought it out, but, yeah. <sighs> so, I don't know, what's on your mind? Like, what? What's, uh, yeah, what's on your mind? I don't know. I mean, for me... This has been a spectacular time with you. It's been very sweet. I really appreciate it. Well, I like this time. I was actually thinking about that this morning. Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, Flies has changed my life in so many ways. And I think, like, all of a sudden, like, that one little thing you said to me the other day, it just, like, <laughs> everything has been, like, a movement usually is, like, that was what made me happy, and it hasn't been good. And then yesterday, or the Thursday, it just made me happy, like for the first time in years. And then so now, like I see your master's program and all the stuff, and with Andy here and Regan helping me through all this stuff, it's just like the path has revealed itself, and I want to follow it. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it just, it's, I feel like it's so much at once that I'm like, I need to take a week off and kind of like reflect. Like, I want to write, I don't write that much anymore, but I want to write about like, this whole experience mm -hmm. and uh, kind of like, like, I'm almost dissociating from it because it's like, not real, but it is. It's just, um, yeah. <laughs> so, it's just been a really good few days. And I didn't get to observe you teach, but I did. One thought can change the whole hour. Yeah. So, um, and it's so yeah. simple, right? We were talking about yesterday in the afternoon workshop, the nudging, mm -hmm. right? That idea of nudging. And uh, there was a book. They've been doing a lot of research, like I mentioned, about that, like psychologically, how how it's much more effective to to implement small, tiny changes over time rather than to try to say, all right, well, you're a drug addict, but we're going to get you off drugs. You know, it's like that kind of um, change feels too insurmountable. And we just, we didn't do very much. But yeah. I feel like I did so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's an interesting thing to keep in mind. I feel like it's something we've talked about over the last few days that, like, it doesn't have to be perfect, and it doesn't always have to be the way we think. Right? It doesn't have to be massive progress. It just has to be one tiny thing. 
that takes a load off a bit, right? And I think we know that as teachers, but sometimes, I guess it's like you experience something, but sometimes our students might not acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Especially, sorry, some of my male clients don't, like they don't see that little incremental change that they made, and I'm like having a big brain on it, looking at me like, Interesting. I mean, I think that proof, right, offering proof is not always easy, especially if people are, are in the mindset of like, <clears throat> yeah, that it's no big deal or that it's maybe just not that valuable. You know, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's always going to mean more to us, I think, first than to them because it's our realm, right? It's We see the subtleties. But, I mean, they sure notice when they can you know, hit a ball further or get out of the car without pain. Then they know. That's a plus. <laughs> that is cute. intuitive teachers that I have ever met. You know, he's doing amazing things, but, you know, technically very, very skilled, very astute. Um, but it's like, you know, I think as you probably maybe have gathered, like technique is just, it's important, but it's not the end game. And beyond all of that, the thing that's so striking about him is that he is 100% present and totally non-attached. And you can, you experience that in his teaching because he's doing something, he's laughing, he's like so there, and he's just 100% there, and he's totally himself, and he's, you can see he's in a relationship with his student. And, and then he's like watching the student move, and he's like, okay, let's try this, let's try that, like, tell me what you're feeling, like, what's that do, where do you, you know, where are you feeling this movement? And then would respond and you know sometimes it was like I don't feel that and that happened over and over again like no I'm not I'm not picking up what you're laying down and he's always just like all right good okay well let's do this and it's just over and over and over again you could see that the no was like bring it on just so non-attached to the no like he also wasn't, he wasn't looking for affirmation. He wasn't needing to be right. He wasn't 
you know how we get into this habit of saying you feel that right that's that's better right can you feel that your pelvis is doing that it's like leading the witness that that's not like that's unfair because as a student it's hard to say no so then you can't really be honest or you'll get the stubborn ones who really are like no i don't think that yeah you know, yeah you are leading them and then they feel like they're not yeah yeah then they're being yeah mm -hmm. petulant yeah yeah but it's just an, it was it's a, it's one of his i would say absolute strengths here's what i think fearless teaching it's just absolute 100 percent non-attachment giving and it and what he said later is their success like i their successes are not mine i don't celebrate in their successes because they have nothing to do with me but i also don't like their failures have nothing to do with me either this is not about me all i'm doing is i'm a guy the student does everything you know and that's like at first you go well if there's a failure of course it's my fault right if they're not feeling it or not getting it or the movement doesn't look right then that's my fault but it's like it's not really it's just circumstances it's just it's just what it is it's phenomenal and I think I really have not seen anybody else teach like that so fully like so so completely and it is amazing it's really inspiring I think for me too though your teaching style and the workshop that was what was inspiring to me it's more about less about the technique and more about um, like the environment that you create for your students um, and it just resonated with me like two of the most proud things that we have done really well is having the child right mm -hmm. and, um, you know I had a home <coughs> and for me the philosophy of that really resonated Your body can do it work. Mm -hmm. And it is. And I was just so proud of myself. And the people who were around me, like you said, they were just guys. I actually delivered my own baby, you know? And I feel like to give that to our students. And then just watching my little son grow up, allowing him to make decisions and have boundaries and say no and, and not to tell him how to. sharing with Lynn earlier at some point in the visit I've had experiences and maybe I was sharing this with you too where you walk into a class and you you know there's something immediately that you sense about the space and you feel either more at ease or less at ease and then you you know for me it's like I want to touch you I want to look in your eyes I want to know your name you know I want to it's like 
that's important to me. And I was, there's one particular instance, instance where I was doing that and you just could feel there was space between us. And that, but that people came in with space around them, right? When they came into the studio, they weren't fully there. Like they were holding back, they were reserved. There was a, you know, that kind of protective bubble around them. And then as I taught, you know, and you've watched me like get very excited and, you know, exuberant and, you know, be very outward. People are like, <laughs> you know, like the face, the like, you know, like, come on, that was kind of funny. That was kind of funny. I mean, I'm not a comedian, but I, you know, I have my moments. <laughs> nothing, nothing. Or you give somebody a, a hands-on cue, which I feel like I'm pretty good at. And, and usually it gets good response. And then, you know, it's like you get like a sideways glance, like, oh, geez. All right. And then you leave feeling like, that sucked. Like that, like, man, I sucked. I could not break through. But you also know, so that's the intellectual response. And then after a little bit, you go, I did my best. You know, and you show up in the way, the best way you know how. And then sometimes you don't get it back. But those teaching environments are hard. So it's really apparent that this is not like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's. That's what makes you successful, and that's what I think ultimately makes other people struggle who have studios and don't have studios, big studios, small studios, home studios, and the people who are struggling, it's like, it's about this. It's not about social media, what everybody thinks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. Don't make it a priority. I like this idea of a framework because it opens at least space for students to have their own experience and be responsible for their experience. Because I know one of the, this is balance, like when I come to class, I I don't want to think about what's coming next. You know, I do want to sort of surrender a little bit um, the like deciding what to do next to prepare for that. Yes. Um, but then within that, you need to own each little bit of what your movement is. So just like how do you want students that you know that's continually evolving and they're like the, the reflecting part about like oh that felt good that felt bad. Because today today I can go a little further. Right. Yeah. yeah. And as a teacher, asking those questions like you make a choice all the time about how hard you work. Like, what kind of choice are you going to make today? There's no right or wrong. It's just a choice. Mm -hmm. And if you need to move a little slower with a little less effort, just totally own that. Mm -hmm. You know? And if you're ready to push a little and you want to see what your edges are and you want to know if they're further, go for it. But you've got to be explicit about that. I mean, you can hold the space for that, too. That's important. That's mm -hmm. the first piece. But also, you've got to say, you know, Within this, yeah, you know, uh, working with Deborah Colway because she's my, you know, sometimes regular co-host of the podcast. <clears throat> um, she's she's been such a strong influence for me around that, and 
you know, I've talked a lot about the, the balance between creativity and consistency. And <clears throat> after, so I was classically trained uh, uh, through the Romana lineage, not by Romana, but somebody who was trained by her. And I chose that because I knew that was what was going to create the greatest, strongest foundation for me. But I also knew that I was going to veer from that immediately. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. And I did that for like 15 years probably in my teaching. Maybe not quite so, so long. And then when I got tired of teaching and I was moving in a different direction, I came back to the classical work because what I realized is I had stopped being effective because I was too creative. And that was interesting to explore that because I'm a very intuitive teacher, you know, but there are a lot of other things that have been hard about it and being too creative has been an issue. So to, to look at, well, if it's not, if I'm not allowing myself to be creative, I don't want to stop being who I am. So how can I continue to be intuitive and, and then also bring that into this idea of consistency and the framework. And, and Deborah and I have had, and if you listen to more of the episodes, you'll hear this. We talk about it pretty frequently, where it's that showing up again and again. You consistently show up and you take your seat. You take your seat over and over again. And it's the consistency of that practice of like, if, here's one of my favorite things that I've ever heard about meditation is like, you have, you get, you have to get bored. You have to get so bored that you get angry. And then as you get angry, you break through, right? And it's like, it's so the same over and over again, over and over again. It's so the same that the only place to go is deeper. That's the only place to go. And for me, it's like, that's, there's a parallel within the consistency of, like, whether you're doing the orders or you're just being consistent in the way that you teach and what you teach. It's like, yeah, it, it can be a little boring, but it's that framework, it's that familiarity, it's that, like, you have to get past that in order to go deeper. And if it's constantly changing and you're always in that upper brain level, so we talked about this at some point, uh, uh, higher brain function versus lower brain function. Higher brain fun function is analytical. It breaks up the pieces. It's slower, uh, you know, but the lower brain is intuitive. And it's, it's like, you know, you stop thinking about all the pieces and you just get to go deeper. So it's a little bit like that. When you have the consistency of the practice, you go from higher brain to lower brain. And it's in the lower brain where you just get to go. You can go deeper. So when the framework is all the same, then, then you can see more. And I just think that's very interesting. That's very interesting. And to me, it's a, it's a motivation for being as consistent in my strategies as possible. So my students know my language. They're familiar with it. They know my steps. Like, I prime the body. We start here. Then we do this. Then we move into complex movement, you know, and then we stop talking. And then you just get to move and explore. And then we come back and we reassess at the end. It's like, you got to come up with your own thing that you're really dedicated to. It does not have to be the orders, but the orders offer a really nice way to do that and to practice that. So it's fascinating, you know. Whereas before in the past, it's like, that's totally bogus. We do the same thing over and over again. Jesus, no way. That's so boring. That's not what I'm about. You know, it's like, oh, well, missing the point. You know? 
know, but it takes time. <laughs> I feel like I was the same, like, like I, I, I remember, like, one, like, with the old studio, like, I started getting, like, so creative that I was losing this consistency, and I was getting bored, and then now I want to go back to classical work, like, and just, I don't know, I remember, I remember having that conversation with you at some point, because I just, I wanted to go all over the place, Yeah, I need to have some kind of, situations I'm just really like open about that I'm like look I have my agenda and you have your agenda so we're just gonna we're gonna just work the line you know back and forth and even if you're not explicit about that um you know what we were talking about yesterday is like you if you don't know what you're committed to you're lost because it's not arbitrary and it's not nothing right and it's not even about Pilates it's about the relationship. Like, why do you keep showing up? You've got to know why. I keep referring to Amy because she's just, you know, planted a lot of great seeds. And when we did this interview many years ago, uh, one of the other things she said to me was, like, why do you show up? You got to know. Because sometimes it's hard to show up. You don't feel well. You got a headache. You're bored. You'd rather be someplace else. You're about to go on vacation. Your kid's sick. You got a flat tire, your cat died, you know, whatever it is. Like sometimes it's just hard to show up, but you've got to have something to connect to so that when you're standing at the end of the reformer and you're feeling bored, or resentful, or agitated, or whatever it might be, that you can go, why am I really here? And have something to show up from. So those, those outcomes, you know, those things that you're really committed to, you know, Lynn obviously has participated in a lot of the things that I've done. And one of the things that we talk a lot about is purpose. Like, what's your purpose? But it's also, the other question is like, what kind of teacher do you want to be? And the other question is, um, what are the outcomes that you're committed to? You know, it's like, you, the more clarity you have about why you're doing what you're doing, the better you're going to be for the long run, right? And then the easier it is to hold it's like, yeah, you want tight abs? Awesome. 
I can get you there. And in your mind, you're like, I can also get you where I want you to go. Because <laughs> I'm that good. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's totally possible. You know, but to not, to not feel like, oh, I don't want to work with somebody who just wants tight abs. It's like, abs, like, well, there are people too. Right, you know, yeah. and they right, 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 right. Yeah, so it is. It is interesting yeah, to right. hold. <laughs> yeah, and you know, from a logistical, maybe that's not the right word, but um, you know, when we are talking about goals and we're talking about motivation, that like you can't just be so caught up in your own agenda that you're dismissive of the client's agenda. You know, it's like you've got to find how, like, what's the value in what you do and how can it reflect in getting the person tight abs? <laughs> you know, it's like, they're, it's possible. So they're not, you know, it's like they're, they're just not totally separate. Well, I think about that often because of the workshop that you gave about, like, us understanding and addressing the client's goals because, like, I often ask myself, like, if I'm feeling bored and I'm trying to change up the exercises because I'm bored, it is the client bored? Because, right. like, the client is coming to do Pilates, and maybe the client doesn't want to do the exercises that I just learned on, you know, Pilates anytime that are, really, <laughs> you know, that are maybe, like, a little different from what the classical routine is. And, like, you know, is, is the client feeling bored and wanting to change it up a little bit, or am I doing it for my own needs? Or do I learn, need to learn to be a little bit more, like you were saying, intuitive? Because I think sometimes, like, our search for creativity takes us to other exercises when yes. it should really be taking us maybe a little deeper and, like, finding ways to do the same thing better and making it feel different. new and different. Yeah. Like, that's my boredom. It's not maybe my client's. Absolutely. But I think you're right. How do I go deeper in the familiar? Like it's not always going backward is not really going backward. Going backward is going forward. Right? Going backward is going deeper. So what's that like? You know, we talked very specifically about lower ladder and upper ladder exercises in terms of simple to complex and all of those things. So you go down on the ladder, but you get to go deeper. And then you just come up on the other side. And then the body is more able. And that's, that's the thing I've always loved about Pilates is that really you never have a chance to get bored because as soon as it's easy, there is a way to make it harder. You know, like it can always get harder because it gets better that you get better. So there's a way to find new strength, new mobility, new resilience, new, new wells of strength interesting metaphor for life. <laughs> if you think about um, you know, our clients, a lot of them are Monday and Monday. They're coming every day. Sometimes every day. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people like, they come all the time. And so they, um, you know, so maybe you would think we could make work. Um, I, I, I kind of agree that they probably aren't. Um, but what I think does your Normally do another seven-day class. I can't do it because she's working. So, um, 
they didn't come to my own class. And I was like a little bit like, why don't they want us to come to this class and stuff? And you know, they know me, I teach them other classes. Um, and they did an independent reformer instead. So they went in there and I thought, wow, I'm actually I should be proud of that. And not like my feelings hurt because they didn't <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but like that's so cool that they actually like talked with each other, like at some point said, Hey, you know, this video's gonna be open, what should we do? And advanced reformer. But they're advanced science. I think they they don't want to do the food. They probably could do the TV or probably do the But I still was like proud that they, you know, and that's what we want. And I think that is my goal as a teacher is actually making my trainees and my clients and my staff feel a confident and that, you know, they have the power and I'm just the guy, you know, and I'm trying to get that way because sure they're I don't need that control. Yeah. All that cueing, all that dictating. It is interesting how it's evolved how we evolved it as an industry and then, you know, I think that uh, you can't say things are true for both the East Coast and the West Coast because the East Coast stays fairly true to the order. And then as you get closer to the West Coast, we're just all doing crazy things, wacky things, very influenced by the physical therapy world. I think that what's happened, you know, from my perspective looking back, because of course I can only look from where I started, uh, it's for some reason many of us have had this feeling like, that there is value, high value in when our students stay with us and they're in our class forever and we have a client who's been coming for 12 years and um, you know if they go seek out another teacher then that's a deficit on our part or um, if they leave the studio and go someplace else that's a deficit on our part and sometimes, sometimes it is. I mean there's many things that can happen but instead of having the, the perspective of like that autonomy should be more upfront as a priority rather than bonded to me as possible so you never leave. And ultimately that's just holding the student hostage. But our ego is kind of fluffed up and dependent on the reoccurring like, I need you, I need you. I said I think yesterday like the, the clients who come in and they say, I heard you in my head yesterday and I used to feel really proud of that. Like, oh, awesome, I'm doing a good job. And now, in the last several years, my perspective is like, oh, God, I'm really failing. Like, you shouldn't be hearing me. You should be feeling you. Because this is not about me. This is about you. And if, if you want it to be a lifelong practice, you, you can't, it can't be about me. And I think originally in the work, what I gather is that Joe was like, I'll let you know when it's time for you to fly. And then when it is, be gone. You know, like, it's, uh, people were coming into the Pilates studio and doing their own practice. It's what they did. But it's like, as soon as you got the okay, you were on your own. It wasn't, you know, if you read his book, you know that that was not his intention. His intention is not for you to come and, like, come to a studio even. He said, just do it at home. You don't need fancy equipment, and you don't need to go to a gym. You need the floor, and that's all you need. And it's interesting you know, that we've gotten kind of away from that and then, you know, a lot more of the private work and less of the self-practice. And they wonder why home practice is difficult. Like, well, you're not really setting your clients up for home practice because they're dependent on you. So so it's, it's interesting. It's a very different perspective, but 
that perspective of not getting your student ready for being autonomous is not really in line with the method, I think. So it can be hard. <laughs> but awesome when you maybe get your shit together. You know, you can't change. Like, you try to give them a leave, and, and then you have to take some time off for whatever reason, and then you can come to class, and they cancel. Yep, it's absolutely and true. do with the other instructors, or vice versa. I mean, it happens to you, too. Yeah. Um, but they just don't want to take from others. Yeah. And I just think, yeah. like, I, like you said, I mean, it does question, <laughs> make me question, like, uh, why do they need me to deliver that information? They have it in their body. They're a vehicle. Shouldn't mm -hmm. they just want a regular informer and move it? And here, someone else guide them through it. And, you know, I think we all work so well together. We're very respectful. And, you know, we make suggestions versus, like, dictating a lot to mm -hmm, them. Mm -hmm. Step on each other's toes about certain things that we're interested in teaching. Um, but I think, too, you have to just give yourself a little bit of a break because you can't change people who are maybe just a closed mindset. Or Julie and I were talking about that. But, you know, so... <coughs> There's a whole, there's a whole like subset of yeah. people who just want Pilates done to them. Yeah. And you are never, no matter how good you are, you're never going to change that. Certainly that's true. Yeah. But I, it is kind of an empty feeling at the end of the day. Like it feels good, like you said at first, mm -hmm. and almost in the beginning of maybe just teaching, you think that's what the end all be all is, is to be put on a pedestal. And then you realize, no, I'm not so good. Yeah. 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 Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then you're kind of second guessing yourself often. Mm -hmm. And then um, then you have to come to the layer of, well, I did my best, I did what I did, and I know everyone can do it. So there has to be a good way. I wouldn't necessarily say the negative of someone said that they they have to they have to go through it's they, developmental, sure. It's developmental and they have to get to yeah. the point where they can feel it themselves and not hear you. Absolutely. And so, you know, I guess if it was like ten years and they still hear you, they're not sort of graduating. But I do think yes. that they have to go through it. Absolutely. I think it's a lot like raising children, right? We want them it's it's hard for them to go away on their own and yeah. not need you in the way that they yes. need you. But that's what's healthy and that's what we want. Yeah. But it's like bittersweet. Yeah. And it is totally developmental. And we've talked about this yeah. yesterday, the four stages of learning. But the the thing is is that when you get stuck in the yeah. third exactly. stage of I what's motivating me or driving my changes is the voice. Right. You know, you telling me Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Until it's just like Oh, I'm just doing it differently, you know. Like, oh, yeah. So, right in the beginning, sure, <laughs> absolutely, and everybody has different, you know, arcs yeah. of learning. So it's not like you should be bummed out about that, you know, the first few months or even years. It takes people sometimes a long time to get to that fourth stage. But I think you know when you've been working with somebody for a long time, yeah. and maybe they should have that more self-efficacy and autonomy than they do. Yeah, this is good. good point. And they might be the same ones who just want to get the abs, right? So it's a, they're not really trying to get out of Pilates, what yeah. we're trying yeah. to convey necessarily. But mm -hmm. I think we have to be careful of wanting that 
education wanting that. I mean, I think it's up to them our part to, to not need that, yeah. to not foster that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good approach to it, not foster that. Yeah. Oh, I feel a little good. Yeah. You know, oh, I totally feel good. Yeah, yeah, totally. We talked about restrooms, right? Where we're just looking at the piece that we are 
Yeah, yeah. That's kind of up and down. Yeah, yeah up stuck. and down. And they think, like, well, this is it. Like, I'm stuck here. Yeah. But in reality, you can work around that. That's going to get unstuck. Here. Yeah. And there's value, as, you know, Regan is saying, and it's, like, in, in knowing what the thing is, like, maybe somebody, I mean, of course, other eyes are so valuable to us. Um, and if it's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, you know, we've identified this Sartorius as being, you know, the issue. For me, I'm always like, okay, well, you know, let's see. Like, let's see how it responds. And then I can put my attention there, but always up and down the chain, always whole body. Like, how is it responding when you do footwork, when you backbend, when you roll in a ball, when you roll up, roll down, when you walk across the room? Like, just how does it fit in? Like, okay, I'll take my attention there, but I don't want to ever lose sight of how it fits in to everything else. Yeah. It's easy to become myopic, right? To just be too fixated. Like, um, when you're riding a motorcycle, when you're learning, they talk about target fixation. So if you, like, and my girlfriend was reminding me this the other day, we went on a ride, and... I said, oh, damn, there's that big rock bump in the road, and I was trying to avoid it, and I ran right over it, and she's like, she's like, target fixation, and I was like, oh, darn it, of course, if I'm looking at it, my body goes where my eyes go, my body goes where my motorcycle goes, so I'm going to run right over the damn thing, and it's, it's, so, it's so interesting, right, like, you've got to keep, you can't just stay focused on the one thing, you've got to, I'm going to crank it up, when you're lifting up, you miss what's below, when you look down, you trip over the Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe it's just like, there's value in everything, right? There's value in everything, and then you got to find out how to integrate it in a way that's balanced. Don't make a rule of it. Um, we had a teacher here, um, Ellen, who was just like, you know, just like the most beloved woman in um, but when she first started teaching, um, she had this kind of monotone way of teaching. And at the end, I said, because she was going through the training program, and I said, I don't know if you're cueing, correcting, or complimenting. Like the three things, I couldn't tell. And, and people can't know they tell. Like, Kathy tells me a lot. Like, when you say a cue, I think you're just, it's me. I'm doing it wrong. Like, I, you've told me that before. I think I'm just Ellen used to say that to me. people explicitly on what it is, yeah. not like, you know, 
good job, beautiful, 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 nice, 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 nice. It's like pretty soon you just, you really just stop hearing that. You know, it's like, and then you think, I, as a student, I think, you are just pulling my leg. Like, everybody, I'm like, good. It's like, I don't even think about it. I'm saying good. Like, how much? No, it is. It's just habitual. It's filling. Because I think a lot of us, uh, and myself included, uh, you know, I'm, I always am working on my level of comfort with saying nothing. Right? So if you feel like you have to continuously stroke your clients, and it's like, how about just be quiet? Sometimes they just, like, if you say too much, like, you can't process it all, but, like, say a couple things to figure it out a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. Maybe make a suggestion. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But they need to absorb it. Yeah. Um, Becky, the other Becky, like, uh, was telling me, she's like, I feel like I'm not talking. You're not getting your money's worth. <laughs> I'm not hacking at them. <laughs> like, ooh, they're getting your money's worth. It's okay. You're there to guide them. Yeah. You know, you're present. They're yeah. present. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, you're, you know, filling the airspace with your voice is not hard. <laughs> right, right. It's not bad. One of the things I like, so the questioning thing is very student-centered teaching, right? It's about bringing the student into the experience and making them responsible for what's happening rather than dictating. And one of my favorite things is like, do something different with your shoulders. Like, I don't even wanna. Tell you what that difference. Right, I, I want you to just, I'm gonna put the responsibility on you and if you notice that you need to do something differently, you make the correction. And that's so, that's very liberating for me because then I'm not having to constantly say, and I do, you know, that's like you just, 20 years of habit you know, <laughs> the hard to break, but, you know, more and more and more, it's just like, do something different with your feet, and almost 100% of the time, people make the adjustment. You know, you can tell them, obviously, at some point, you need to tell them <laughs> and teach them, but then the further away you get from that, the more you can just be like, just check in with your back, and how, how could it feel better? Right? Like, how could you, how could you just embody this, like, from your fingertips to your toe tips. How do you make it a whole thing? Like, just make it a whole thing. Stop, like, turn your brain off. We did this on Thursday. It's like, okay, we've talked a lot about all the pieces. Now just stop. Just, just move. You know, just explore. Notice what your body wants to do and just let it do it. Don't think about it. That's nice. That reminds me, too, of um, the conversation we are having a little bit about how we really are repeating the same thing over and over again in Pilates. But I think it's appropriate um, in the beginning to give them the framework, to tell them what to do. When they're yes. first learning like a new exercise. Um, but, but the thing about Pilates is people are repeating the thing like over and over again. So you can just ask them to do so much. Yeah. You know, and, and provide space for them to just explore a little bit. Because you've already told them a little bit. You know, and, and then if, like you said, you do need to tell them what to do. Yeah, yeah. But
you know, it's just like they're getting vulgar and you just kind of touch them. Yeah, yeah. that's, yeah. Kind of, that's what, and just what I was thinking. They're still in the middle of talking. <clears throat> so it's just, and maybe it's a little afterward, like, hey, when I touch you, this way, I was doing that. I don't do that follow up. I should probably mm-hmm. do that. It's like a hands on right. it, though, I think, and without even and saying anything. anything. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know this when you're about to approach them and touch them. Big change. <laughs> yeah, we'll come a little bit of complacency. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, I really like how at the end of the session that I had with you, where you were like, we went through, you know, butterfly and then went through it precisely. And then you're like, okay, less controlled, go. <laughs> and then just like, okay, go, less controlled. It's like, yeah. less controlled? I don't think I've ever heard that here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, but it struck me, I'm like, oh, I felt freedom to like, oh, okay, I'll just go. That's yeah, higher go. brain to lower yeah, brain. That's just dropping, that's just yeah. dropping in. Yeah, you were outside the box. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, give them the guidance, like, have the experience, read, you know, give them all the, like, key pieces, but then you can see that there's effort in that. I mean, you, you almost always do, because it's higher brain function, it's like, you know, judgment. Constant judgment, constant judgment, and like an action-based cue, it almost always elicits extra effort. So then it's like, all right, just and just see what that's like. You know, like perfect is boring. Perfect is just, it's too. It's just too held. It's like that's not very interesting. You're not gonna tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, or like Sundays, like me and Len will do like Pilates freestyle after. We just do whatever like our body needs. Yeah. And we're like, oh, this is so great. Like one Sunday he was back here doing stuff, I was doing stuff. He's like, oh, I'm freestyling. I'm like, oh, chill. <laughs> 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 I feel so great. And clients get really great when you give them that, like, what they need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think what helps with that is give them a direction. Give them something to move toward, like a quality. Like, how, how, just, how could you make this movement feel a little bit better for you? And see what their body comes up with. Rather than leaving it open-ended sometimes feels like they're jumping into the blackness of the void and they're like, I don't know what's down there. <laughs> I want to show you. Like, I don't yeah. want to do it around people's feet. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's like shaking yesterday. I was like, close your eyes. I know you had your eyes. I don't like <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't want you to fall down. There is something about the teaser, though. It is that's the exercise that it's something about going from doing the leg, you know, side legs, and then to teaser. I can't tell you hundreds of times. I go, how am I going to be able to lift my acting legs? <laughs> how am I going to do it? And for some reason, I'm uplifted and I feel it, but I, I'm like, I don't want. I always think I'm not going to do this, and no matter how many times I've done it at this point, and I remember this, it was you know those Saturday eight o'clock a.m. advanced math classes at three, and she said, "Okay, let's get over the drama." 
of teaser. Just, <laughs> yeah. just, get, just get over it and do it. And I was like, oh. And it just it completely, in that one moment, just, I couldn't wait to get to teaser after that. Yeah, I love it. it. Get so, over the drama. Like, but I just, just remember just, that it was just, it was. Negative beliefs all yeah, of a sudden, yeah. they're like, This is hard, this is hard, this is hard. It's like, yeah, well, we need get cookies from one client. I mean, I go, Let's call it cookies. Do you like cookies? And she's like, You know what I'm talking about? This one class, like, she goes, Oh, it's teaser. And she just moaned about it. I was like, Oh, just get over it. You know, and I remember, Get over the drama. It's okay. You know? If you yeah, told me, you like it, if you, you know? told me, just think, it's just like drinking an old fashioned. Yes. It is, it is interesting. It does just get a little heavy and a little serious. You know, it's like, that's why sometimes I make the joke of like, listen, folks, it's just Pilates. I mean, come on, get over it. Like, just get over it. Move your body. Just move your body. And perfect is boring. Yeah. Right? So. Your eyes into it. You don't have to kind of get legs up. But that is, that's the, always been the, the point in the series that gets, you know, that's a yeah, sure. So many things. Yeah, yeah. I love what Crystal does in her classes when it comes to teaser. And she's everybody's favorite time now. Teaser time. Yeah. <laughs> Come on down. It's teaser time. Some of like they'll get a giggle and they just relax.
That's the rule. The rule is three. I'm, oh, I've only signed up for three. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you, you know, I try to just like have a tissue about it. Like, you could be totally done. But if you have one more in you, you know, or if you don't count precisely. Like, we already did six. Didn't you say we were going to do six? Oh, that's always funny. That's always funny. Six good ones. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, well, I remember doing one where it was um, right before, uh, it was a holiday one of those, holiday hour and a half ones ago, and I said, 10 aerobic teasers, and they locked it. They knew what to expect, but it's like, but it was inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. So you just at the end, hold it before. Yeah, yeah, I said 10 teasers, and they locked it. No, 10 aerobic teasers, pace yourself. And it was like, it was kind of fun. The only time you do is that's really fun. Yeah, they're like challenge. Yeah, I have uh, heard this many times about the teaser, and in some way I understand it. It's like, like I'm not interested if my clients ever do teasers. Right? Like, that's not my end goal. It's not my end goal either. But what is interesting and important, I think, is what teaser expresses. Like, what, like, the power and the strength and the control and the balance and the total, like, elation and liberation that it can bring to the body. So it's not about teaser. Because it's not about that. It just happens to be a tool for expressing the utter joy that you can experience in your body. Right? So it's like, it's not about teaser, but what can you find in it? Like, and I think sometimes in terms of motivation, you know, it's like, are you, why are you here? You're here because you love your kids. You love your grandkids. You love your life. You want to travel. Like, how does traveling make you feel? Like, if you, like, how do you, how does teaser embody your ability to pack your bag, lug your bag, get on the plane, put your bag in the overhead compartment, get on and off, you know, trains, planes, in and out of boats, like, that's teaser. Because teaser is not the thing. It's that you can do teaser means that you can live your life better. That's exciting. Yeah, hold yourself up. Yeah, hold your, yeah. You're just your body off. Yeah. You're just on one little part, and you're expressing that. You know, even if you're using a bed, it's awesome. Like, I love it. Yeah. I think when you have that lift, and nothing is being... It's an expression of vitality. Yeah, joy and vitality. And I think we miss that, right? We get too caught up in like the shape and the aesthetics and it's the exercise and it's like, but we're we're only really here to exercise through this particular means because we have a life and things that we love to do. So that's what teaser is about. Teaser means one more old fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny about teaser is that when you go and see people posing wherever they are in the country, a lot of these instructors, what pose are they Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like they're, it's the they're iconic. at the top of Teotihuacan Pyramid, and like, they're doing the teaser. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's what we do. It's, 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 it's a prayer pose to me. You know, and I'm not a prayer. Oh, I love that. But it's a prayer pose. It's like, this is, I'm reaching up to something better. But if there's, if you could take the religion out of prayer and just make it just homage or something to something. Well, I know. I don't want to go too far in that direction, but yeah. prayer, prayer to me is not religious. You know, it's no. just, it's no. just intention. Yeah. Yeah. Gratitude. But I love it. I love thinking about it that way. Yeah. And it is particularly, right, because you're so open. You're so open and you're grounded at the same time. It's like that balance of commitment and freedom. At the same yeah. time, yeah. I think we should end on that. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh, you guys are so great. It's the closest thing to levitation you'll ever do. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, not if you're in the circus, but... Yeah. <laughs> Any final words? Gratitude. Gratitude. Okay. I uh, really hope that you enjoyed listening and that you are taking away some some nice little nuggets of thought and reflection. It was such a great experience. Thank you guys if you're listening. You helped affirm for me in a pretty substantial way that um, I'm doing the right kind of work. So just wrapping things up for this episode, I wanted to share with you a book. So our hero for this episode 35 is a book that we've been exploring in the Skillful Teaching Movers Book Club. That's a Facebook group we started about six months ago. The book is called A Hidden Wholeness, The Journey Toward an Undivided Life. It's written by Parker Palmer. And some of you may have heard me talk about this book at times and uh, Parker's other book called The Courage to Teach, which if it hasn't um, been on your list yet, you should definitely put it at the very top. Um, an incredibly inspiring and, and critical book, I think, for, for teachers of any kind. But a quote from A Hidden Wholeness that resonates, I think, with the conversation that you just heard and helps to remind us that teaching is not just a job, but it is something that uh, provides an opportunity for us to be completely whole and undivided, bringing our authentic and best selves to every moment of the work that we do. So here it is. Afraid that our inner light will be extinguished, our inner darkness exposed, we hide our true identities from each other. In the process, we become separated from our own souls. We end up living divided lives, so far removed from the truth we hold within that we cannot know the integrity that comes from being what we are. Here are a couple of others that have really been resonating with me. Solitude does not necessarily mean living apart from others. Rather, it means never living apart from oneself. And the last one I wanted to share with you. First, we all have an inner teacher whose guidance is more reliable than anything we can get from a doctrine, ideology, collective belief system, institution, or leader. Second, we all need other people to invite, amplify, and help us discern the inner teacher's voice. And I think you saw and heard that at work in a really potent way in this um, discussion with the teachers at Village Pilates. And I think it's something that's um, easier to find these days, but still difficult to find for a lot of us. Uh, finding community where we feel like we can really share who we are and ask questions and be heard and be seen in a way that supports not only ourselves as teachers, the outer teacher, but also the inner teacher. So the hero for this episode is Parker J. Palmer, and specifically his book, A Hidden Wholeness, a journey toward an undivided life. I'll put some information about that book in the show notes. The pro tip for this episode is super simple, and it is to let the body in front of you lead. 
which is different than teaching to the body in front of you. So when I was at Village Pilates, I had um, so many wonderful experiences working with teachers and students and teaching the classes and workshops. There's one session that stands out, and it's because the, the teacher that I was working with um, was really struggling with finding joy in movement for a lot of very complicated reasons that I'm not going to go into. But at first, I was, I think like most of us, um, thinking about what to do, what exercises could I do, what order was I going to do them in, what was going to provide an opportunity for her to grow, have insight, um, shift awareness, attention, just have have a good experience that maybe was going to teach her something, give her some tools to take away for her teaching. What I realized really quickly was that that's not what she needed at all. And we did a few things to get her body moving and so that I could see, you know, exactly how, you know, her challenges were expressing themselves. But there was a moment where we had been going through some standing arm spring work as she was standing on the functional footprints and I said, just stop thinking about all the pieces and just let your body move. Like, don't move and then decide what to do, but stand still and just move when your body tells you it's ready to move. Just let it move and let it move in a way that feels best, it feels the most joyful, the most free. And it was pretty spectacular what happened. She just allowed herself the space and started to move. And the movement developed in all kinds of directions and rhythms and changed and morphed every time. And as she just found herself in that experience of allowing her body to move and guide her rather than her conscious mind to guide her going through all of the steps, all of the pieces, I said to her, now smile. And just every time you do something, put a smile on your face. And I know it sounds a little bit woo-woo, it sounds a little bit crazy, but based on some of the work that um, you've heard me talk about before, Amy Cuddy's work with how the body controls the mind, how the body can influence and um, help change your beliefs, um, has been pretty incredible and, and pretty powerful for me in my teaching recently. And this was an amazing experience of that. And I think what happened, what the, what the teacher reports happened, is that she really was able to find that she could still move with joy, that she could still move in the body that she has right now in a way that felt good, that felt better than good, that felt like it was lighting her up and truly making her happy. And it was beautiful movement. It was rhythmic and well-organized and efficient and 
the most important part for me always in teaching movement is that the student has an experience of being in their body in a way that feels good, that feels joyful. So the pro tip for this episode is let your students lead you. Give your students permission to let their bodies lead them and see what happens. There's zero risk involved. There's absolutely zero risk in putting ourselves in this kind of situation. And I think what you'll find is that when you give your students permission to take all of their hard work, all of their organizational skills, their self-cueing, their knowledge of their bodies, and the movement that you've taught them, they're, they're able to go to a different place, take it to a new level that helps them integrate it into their body because it's about them. It's not about you. It's about listening to their own body, not about listening to you. And I find that that is a really critical step that we often miss that holds our students hostage to that third stage of competency, of conscious competence, without really fostering and guiding them to the fourth and fifth stages. So um, fourth stage is unconscious competence, where we're no longer um, thinking about all the pieces. It's very bottom up, so um, instantaneous. Um, it's based on repetition, consistency, habitual um, movement. And then, of course, well, not of course, but then the fifth stage is reflective competence or super competence, where we are able to start to take that more intuitive organization and skill acquisition and begin to teach others, share it with others. Um, so that's it. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And I really appreciate you spending the time with me and with the teachers of Village Pilates. As always, I welcome your thoughts and your comments and your questions. So don't hesitate to reach out to Deborah and I and uh, share with us what you'd like to hear us talk about, what you'd like to talk about. If you want to get on the podcast and chat with us, let us know. And here's how. You can reach us at thinkingpilatespodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and look forward to the next time. Until then, breathe deep and teach well. All the things that make you sing and tap your little toes. Oh.